We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. If the very thought of vampires makes your flesh creep... We call them the undead. They're vampires. If you think all vampires are ugly creatures of the night, then you're in for a shattering surprise. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, this is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's go! Hey, I'm Lauren. And I'm Trevor. And, and we're, we're the Two Crew! Everyone else is on secret Boo Crew missions, but that's okay, because we're joined by the legendary Yerky69 from the Helsinki vampires themselves. Finnish goth rockers, the 69 Eyes. Celebrate 30 years of the band with us as we talk about Yerky's favorite horror films, comic books, the undisputed genius of Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider, and their new album, West End. If you're listening to this at time of release, coming out on Nuclear Blast, Friday, September 13th, available to pre-order now. We're also joined by David Markland and Rick West, who are the creators of Midsummer Scream, the ultimate Halloween and horror convention. If you're listening to this at the time of release, happening this Saturday and Sunday at the Long Beach Convention Center, David and Rick are here to give you the secrets of all the amazing things you do not want to miss in our exclusive chat. We'll be hosting a live panel Saturday at 6 p.m. talking about rock and horror. We'll be joined by guest host Spider One from the band Power Man 5. We'll be talking to Curtis R. Rex from Creature Feature and Rufus Rex, cartoonist Michael O'Shanker, and producer Christopher Jimenez. We'll also have a booth in the main hall, so come say hey. We'll have shirts for sale, cool stuff to look at, and to give you for free. Oh, and if you use the code word BOOCREW at MidsummerScream.org, you get 20% off your ticket. Woo! That said, welcome to episode 58. Good evening. This is Yurke69 from the 69 Eyes, your favorite Helsinki vampire. You are taking a bite out of another blood soak episode of The Boo Crew. You wanna live Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy studio is an iconic musician, singer, songwriter, author, artist, and creator whose legendary band from Helsinki, Finland, by way of New York, fused the love of Elvis with the Cramps and the Ramones, inventing goth and roll, transformed dark horror films into musical experiences, sold millions of albums, and turned vampires into rock stars. He's written a book, several graphic novels, and acclaimed solo record, and he is back to celebrate 30 years with the 69 Eyes. Their new album, West End, is their 12th trip to the studio. It's out Friday. Friday, September 13th, available to pre-order from the Helsinki Vampires, the band that time forgot, the band that refuses to die. We are honored to welcome Yuri69. Yeah, Woo! thank you. <laughs> Pleasure being here. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And congrats Anytime. on 30 years as a band and what people are saying, your best album yet. I think the new record is, honestly, I think that's probably our best record. And uh, 
I always like to also say that we're original 80s band. How the music changed through these 30 years. People probably connect us with like when dark rock was a little bit famous or was it called emo even. So I think people sort of like relate us to that category. But we're started because we liked the Cramps, Lords of the New Church and L.A. Guns, Hanoi Rocks, Misfits. And that's where we come from. And uh, uh, it's been a long journey, but there's no end. It's still the same five guys. And it's always asked like, how come? And there's, of course, no answer. I think we might be stupid because we, <laughs> we just keep on going, but we are having good time. And strangely, after all these years, like we hadn't played here in the States for 10 years. That's Right. So what we missed, we just toured in May. So what we missed was like celebrated DJs. What else happened? Jersey Shore? Yeah. Something like that. Didn't sort of like miss anything. Yeah. So as we are back in the States with the new record, and I think we deliver and it's, it's good to notice that people actually respect that fact as well, you know. Before we talk about the new music, let's go back to the beginning and learn about some of your early experiences with horror cinema what was super impactful uh, about it well i remember seeing thunderbirds you know that animated yeah TV. yeah and and then there was an episode that uh, that's like very early 70s and i remember one of the guys dolls flew too close to the sun the person probably bad guy in in that episode he melted <laughs> So that was kind of, that was kind of spooky. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's what I remember. It's like I still talk about it. Yeah, right it now. wasn't a cartoon. It's actually like a puppet melting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so and then in the seventies, like we remember, horror was like a very famous scene among teens. I've always asked from my mother, like, how come? But I got the issue, like, finished version, but the Werewolf on Prowl, the classic moral comic. So one of those, but the finished version, so it had more horror than just Jack Russell, the classic werewolf roaming on the street. It has also like a vampire story, which I was very scared. And I was like five, six years old. Like I said, I don't know how I got the magazine, but that was like, wow, this is super scary. It all starts from there, really. Do you remember the first horror movie you saw and how old you were? One of the earliest was like an episode of Sheriff McLeod. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there was a vampire yeah. in that. And and he sort of like fell down from the bridge and, and, and he disappeared. I would consider that like a horror movie in that yeah. sense. Then a little bit older, but still, you know, naive. So I went to see Nightmare on Elm Street when it came out. And I was in my teens. I remember like yesterday when I walked back home, I was like, looking around me oh, I was yeah. expecting to hear like this Freddy's score in the nails and then then again next movie what I saw was the Fright Night and then they were handling out the glowing vampire fangs like plastic yeah. ones in the movie which belong to like uh, sort of like to everybody and uh, those are the ones that I still love like we all do we all are looking for similar kind of experiences to be thrilled and entertained since the 80s and before 69 Eyes you were always heavily involved in graphic arts and then when you got into bands and stuff you were the one making the flyers you had your own comics and underground zines and you've been doing that for a long time what were some of the artists and characters that inspired you from well i'm, comic I'm a marvel guy peter parker as a person was inspiring like loser but still doing cool things in the night so you know also like um uh, like i mentioned um 
Jack Russell, American Werewolf. That was a really, really cool comic. Spider-Man, Werewolf, you know, that's my life. Right. When you look into that book that you had out, kind of a compilation of a lot of your earlier work, Zombie Oh, yeah. Love. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for checking that out. This is incredible. It really shows you how you kind of had already flushed out the backstory, the brand, the intricacies of what would become the 69 Eyes when you go back and look at those books, because 69 Eyes is very much a lot of that artwork and oh, ideas you, come to you. life. So, yeah, right? I think I was, and still don't mind being, but I was, I was total nerd. After school, I spent my time in dreaming and like we all did and reading comics and, and drawing comics. And uh, I, I started to have a fan base. And, uh, but then at, at that age, I realized like I wanted to also meet girls. <laughs> so, <laughs> so being a comic artist, is not that very cool and it doesn't bring you any closer to anybody <laughs> in that sense but i was recognized in rock bars like hey you know the guy who draws like uh, black and white rock comics which i w did and there's always night in them it's always dark and like you said if you ever see my drawings it's exactly how the 16 on ice sounds and looks pretty yeah. much but yeah then comes a p opportunity to um brack girls in the bar like hey i'm in the band <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was cooler than, hey, I, I draw comics. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I chose being in a band that was pretty cool pickup line. And, sure. Uh, yeah. Referencing the three graphic novels for a sec that you guys had put out when you released X, they were made from a secret story that was hidden in six of the band's songs. It was hinted at during interviews and things, and it really exploited that mystery and mystique that you created for the band. How important do you think there is to keep that distance between yourself and the audience in the social media world where that veil is, is getting thinner? Yeah, actually, I got rid of like a uh, social media account recently and I try not to even communicate with people through social media. It's easier. Like if you know me, text me as in a picture and then we do. I was idolized so much like Rob Zombie and Clay Danzig and Dave Windor from Monster Magnet. You know, mm -hmm. those guys are like also in, in a comics and been drawing. And, and if you think Glenn's amazing American art he's created. So I'm just hope to be in delivering in the same vein and a little bit bringing something from my side, something new. As such a huge fan of film, what does Hollywood mean to you and what place does it hold in your heart? This is the ultimate place if you ever dream. You always dream about making it here or way or another. Was it like delivering as an, as an artist or is it just like partying or meeting? Hollywood is important to... Because here you meet the other people of the industry and other dreamers even. This is really inspiring every time. I believe in Hollywood. It's where dreams came come true. When you're here, do you ever, or even in America, do you ever you know, go to film set locations or anything like that? Are you into that at all? Like I know the Lost Boys, they filmed it in, over out in Valencia. Yeah, of, you of can course, see some of, of that course, stuff. Of course, that's what it's all about. I'm a fanboy and I'm making something music and been drawing and writing and talking about it but mainly i'm just a fanboy. that's Nothing awesome else, you know? <laughs> have you done uh, the santa cruz boardwalk where no, i never been there oh i never been there such a cool destination yeah. for a horror fan not only for the lot i mean it looks the exact same as it did in in mm -hmm. the lost boys they used it in the movie us as well yeah. 
Yeah. And it holds a, yeah, you can what see a lot of the original stuff. think about that one? Us? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, a, there's movies that entertain you at the moment, but then, then there's also movies that start to bother you a yeah. little bit. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of like... Like Midsummer. Like, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Did, Did you, you see, see Midsummer? No. Yeah, that's... Oh, a, it's good. Made by the guy who did Hereditary. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, it's happening in Sweden, so it's kind of close where I come yeah. from. Right. I know those traditions, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I think wow. you're going to enjoy That's another oh, one of those cool. ones. That there seems to be these these new horror films that are coming out in yeah, the great. past it's, few years. It's cool, it's it, cool, it man. keeps you thinking, yeah. you know, it's it's cool. I wanted to talk about that you actually went and got your master's in analytical chemistry. I was wondering what that is and how you got interested in that. Well, that all goes back to Peter Parker. Really? Mm-hmm. Remember, he was yeah. a chemistry student. That's right. So, so I was like, okay, uh, what happens after I graduate so I went to university to study chemistry like Peter fucking Parker wow. because, That's amazing. I, because I thought it's cool it <laughs> is cool being smart is really but, but, but cool. it also also goes to this that um, our country it's free to study like schools are free hospitals are free wow. education is free so we are free to do whatever we want so you know you can dream of America if you like and then you can study if you like you know like it's absolutely freedom in our country so why did I go to school what else you know yeah and at the same time we started the band and it took me pretty long to finish my studies because I was always with the band somewhere else but you know it's just like um it's a freedom so you know like I like to um still study I just recently um went back to school to read French and I graduated French just because of like I want something to do with my brain you know yeah you know so so but it's it's a it's all about like uh how our country provides this kind of uh possibilities for if you like you know that's incredible that's amazing in 2005 you became a unicef goodwill ambassador mm-hmm. can you talk about your work and oh, why that's, it that's, was that's the craziest thing always in these interviews i talk about blood and vampires and <laughs> werewolves and then okay unicef what they have even to well i'm a goodwill ambassador which means means that I when I'm in this kind of interviews we talked about UNICEF a little bit and then maybe if you want to be whenever you're going to be interested in charity work maybe UNICEF could be good choice for you guys to check out I'm of course concerned about like environment and um, my expression what I always say is like when the children are doing good mother earth is doing good too so I see it UNICEF is uh, helps children and we want that everybody can be kids. They don't have to work and uh, have a real childhood, which is not that obvious in some parts of the world. I just said that I, I have great childhood and I study because I can. It doesn't take that much effort to be a little bit like uh, understand what's going on around the world so I'm proud to be part of that and, and it's not a big deal that's an incredible part of your story though and it says a lot about your character and that's uh no that's I've done a couple of field trips for UNICEF and I was like I've been by the border of Somalia in the desert and um, that is something um, people need help when it's drought and we can help them with the, such a little effort, which means like in case of UNICEF, you can of course donate, but you, you just talk about it yeah. and, uh, or buy your UNICEF Christmas cards in the Christmas time, if somebody sends cards anymore. But 
I yeah. do. You've got new management in the form of Des from Devil Driver and Anastasia from the Oracle, of course. Describe what that has injected into the band. Oh, that changed everything like really? immediately. So Des got in touch. I was here actually playing with my solo band, LA-based rockers and me a year ago. I guess I'm doing something right. So Des was like, hold on, like, do you need help in the States and what's going on with the 69 Eyes? And he actually made me understand like what you just said in the beginning of this program, like uh, using words like legendary and, and so on. And I was just like bored. I was doing my own thing. And uh, then Des comes into the picture and convinces me like, hey, come on and concentrate on the 69 Eyes. Let's do a great record and let's see what that brings to you guys and everything is working like that right now i'm grateful that i met this like all of a sudden comes his fairy godfather sure. you know <laughs> yeah and like hey let's rock again and i'm like really that's fantastic he has great heart and uh it's good to be back in the states let's talk about the amazing new album it sees you teaming up with producer johnny lee michaels and you've had some different producers in the past and back and blood and x which are also incredible but there's a certain alchemy that exists with Johnny and the band. Can you put your finger quite on that relationship? Why it uh, works well, so well? It's, it's like uh, we know how to write songs, but he adds a little magic there way or another. And, and it's always surprising that he comes up with these fantastic ideas. And um, I don't know if I want to do another record with him at the moment <laughs> because we're still just, sure. just finishing this one. Like It's never easy in the studio and yeah. it frustrates you, frustrates everybody because it takes pretty long time and then you toss and turn the music and so on but definitely there is something which is like um, that the 69 eyes need and it's we need this guy to punish us and uh, blackmail us and, and make, make <laughs> gets the best out from us in the end but now it's like I said like I don't want to see him for a while I get it <laughs> yeah. I get it <laughs> to listen to but the, he knows that right yeah. right oh I'm sure it's give and take right to listen to this album is very much like reading a comic book a good example wow, would be, thank you a good example would be Black Orchid by the way there's this cinematic storytelling that you do that is very unique when you write is it a really visual experience for you well you know where that name for that song comes from like classic old school comic i left everything really easy to do a little math or understand and i let them nearly leave the books open and and everybody can find them but sometimes people just don't know you know like for instance we have a song called Brandon Lee and uh, there might be some young generations of fans who haven't seen The Crow and don't exactly know what what's the whole idea of that song. That song you just mentioned that has uh, that's graphic and um, they just come out. I don't know from where. Yeah. But you know like what, what my background is is pretty much like everybody else except like I'm this fanboy so I just whatever I haven't used I put it to the song. Like there's a song called The Last House on the Left which yeah. is like of course it's such a great title for a movie as a starter and then it's one of the first songs the 69 ever recorded was called the hills have eyes we have yeah. a tradition with Wes Craven as well so, yeah you know so that's there to be done like that so and that's great I mean last house on the left that it's kind of cool I got the of course the chorus and everything and then I met Wednesday 13 yes and I asked him to write a story like let's keep the storyline like in the movie and then 
There's the Revenging Woman, which is Calico Cooper, Alice Cooper's daughter, singer of Pistol Blanco. In the st- so there's a little storyline even in that very simple horror punk song. When you're in the studio, when you're writing songs, do you use horror cinema or movies and comic books as a language when communicating with other people in the band and the producer? I don't producer? know if everybody understands what I'm doing. Yeah? <laughs> I don't, they just let me do what I do, you know. The song that I'm very happy about with the new album is called Outsiders. and I was just, those books, they were so important for me because, you know, it's one once again dreaming and then a little bit growing. And and it's not about that, actually, that movie. It's more about those real, real books. So I just wanted to put it out in a song as well. And then it has to be a movie song in our record. Now there's, again, couple. People expect that, I right, guess. Right, right. <laughs> I'm communicating with fans through that stuff. And then, then okay, talking about social media, and then I put properly cover of the book or something. Just make sure that whoever follows is on the right track what's going on in my mind and, and in our music. Just in case. you have, Sometimes you have really have to ex- explain, you know. There's going to be a bonus DVD. Can you tell us a little oh, yeah. bit about that? Oh, yeah. That, that's actually 30th anniversary history of the band. Yeah, I actually wrote the manuscript for that. And uh, it tells the story of the band quite briefly. And then there's a lot of material, never seen material for our American years, 10 years ago with Bam Margera. And um, it was a big deal for us. Like we had played then already nearly 20 years. And then we come to Hollywood back after all, you know, remember 90s, right? So (laughs) it didn't matter that we were not here then. Then we come over here and then we sell out Whiskey A Go Go. So that's a big deal for a dreamer. From from Helsinki, you know, and that's happening again. It's all about like a being like once again, fan of rock and roll, American pop culture and, and be a little bit silly and trust your dreams. Keep on dreaming and uh, just never give up. The cover art that you have on this album is really striking, too. It's like five impossibly black balloons. And it was Thank you. designed by a, a sculptor. What yeah. was his name and how did you uh, find it? It's Yuri Geller. It's a really old school punk rock friend of mine. And, and it's really sculpture. They are not real balloons. They are actually heavy. And uh, I just saw him after a few decades. And I thought, yeah, and he, he's becoming a very recognized sculpture. His sculptures are pure pop art, like Mickey Mouse hand and black. Donald Duck skull and wow. things like that. Yeah. Like in, in um, you could use them here. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> so, and, and so on. So I was just like, cool, let's do something together after all these years. And then he, he came up with the idea of like funeral balloons. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, a, I always want to, even though I'm recycling and borrowing things from there and there, I always want to bring something totally new also into the picture, which is like, there's never going to be like uh, dead flowers and r- red wine or something like that like in, in the cover of the 69 Ice album. It's always going to be something totally new that you never expected. So I thought this, let's have this uh, sculpture and see what's going to happen. And I, it's interesting. It's just like a little bit communicating with the world in that sense as well. Clichés are cool, but also like if there is a chance to um, bring something back to the scene that you love, be a little bit influential for other people as well. Being interested in the darker things in both music and entertainment and the chance to experience a lot of interesting places via traveling. Have you ever experienced anything with the paranormal? Like 
ghosts or any places you thought were haunted? Well, I'm pretty sensitive. And um, yeah, New Orleans once, I think I saw, experienced a ghost. But as a kid, I've seen something and I don't know what's about, but I think I have, you know, like I'm so sensitive. So, um, and I like to believe in UFOs and ghosts, yeah. you know, like why not? So there's, there's always something weird. You are a believer then, you'd say. Dreamer, believer. I want to keep my life open and, and sure. experience everything. I mean, tr- I'm thrilled to live and I want to experience everything, whatever is available, you know. Wondering if you could talk just quickly about some of your favorite recent horror films that you've seen and if there's any filmmakers out there that you're really into at the moment. Hereditary was like one of those probably best movies for could be decade or something mm. and uh, I support the scene. So I go to the movies to see horror movies. Because I want to be a loyal fan. And um, that was really, really, really good. I don't know if I want to see it again because it was so scary. Yeah, it's one of those movies that, yeah, once is I don't, enough. I, 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 don't, I don't want, let's not talk about that even so much. But, but you know, like, um, but it's weird. Like, what happened to the vampire movies? Did they die with Twilight or what, what's going on, man? I think it's about time to bring and, and, the whole they, school And they never back. did any cool rock and roll vampire movies. Not even close. Okay, Queen of the Damned is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And I like that. But you're sort of like a... It's there to be done and then nobody's doing it. So it's kind of weird because nowadays these movies, Toy Story and those are made for us. They are not kids movies. So it's the same with horror movies. So it's kind of strange that, listen, Lords of Chaos, that was great. Oh, I haven't seen Lords of Chaos. Yeah, it's it's sort of not a horror movie in that traditional sense, but that's great movie. And and Yuna Sokalun, come on, man. I mean, I'm expecting a lot from him in the future. I hope he can have a chance to make more movies. Lords of Chaos was, I'm not talking about now the the actual But it was it had really good sound, and when the band was playing in the rehearsal place, you wanted to be there. It sounded great, and so on. It's done really well for my taste. Like once again, I don't know if it's cool to say that that movie is cool, but uh, Jonas Ockelund did a great job, and I hope that he will do more movies very soon. Speaking of your taste, what are some of your favorite all-time vampire movies? You probably get asked that all the time, but I'm curious. Well, I, I think the one we talked already about, the Fright Night. That's a movie that introduced a rock and roll vampire. There's this guy, Jerry, that you want to hang out. You yeah. know, like he's the coolest of cool. Everything's cool in that. And uh, and then there's even great music on that. That's a great movie. Talk about the rest of 2019 for the 69 Eyes. Once this album comes out, there's going to be, I mean, there's a tour schedule already starting to come yeah, into place. Yeah, and we're returning to the States as well awesome. uh, in January. And uh, we're going to play around the world like we always do. But I'm just happy to see how the fans like the stuff. I would like to think that we don't need to make any more albums, that we have the music and the songs that people come to listen from us. But we want to do new music because it's so fun to write music and be creatives. But I'm curious to see how the people like this new record and there's a couple of surprises coming up well it's not surprise anymore but uh, the big single from the album when the album comes out it, it's called uh, Two Horns Up which is a cool rocker with Donny Filth on it and we just filmed a video so I hope people dig that but you know people are so busy these days I don't whine about that but you never know maybe and it takes a while maybe, maybe it takes a year or two or somebody comes like oh well, that was actually great there's also a song I like to say called Cheyenne 
Yes. So I heard the song. The way we do music is like our guitarist sends me the demos and uh, without no vocals, they're like instrumental songs. And I heard the song and I all of a sudden I had the chorus in my mind, which is Cheyenne. And I have no idea like where that name came from. I didn't know. So I started to survey. Like, could it be a Native American princess, sounds like that, or something. So I found from Google, quite a few women have been missing with that name. Interesting. Like, like wow. you, you, you Google the name, and then it comes like, had not been seen, and pictures of these missing persons. And then I just wrote that as a ghost rider, female ghost rider. Oh, there's actually a movie that uh, commonly people don't, you know, like, I don't understand why people don't like uh, Interview with the Vampire. It's oh, a great I love movie. that that's movie. A, that's a great it's one of my movie, favorite. But then, then once again, everybody's saying like, oh, that's the worst movie this and this actor did and they don't get it no. same same actually with the ghost rider i think that's great movie that was a really to be good honest movie too. like come on man there's a captain america giving him a bike <laughs> what, what, what else you need yeah come yeah. on man nick cage man. yeah the cage hey, mandy cage is so cool man yeah I mean, he's amazing i mean, I mean he's, he's a rocker and uh, he's there and he's making movies for us so we should be very happy <sighs> what did you think of bram stoker's dracula oh that was of course classic I just I love that. It's one it's, of my it's, favorite it's, movies. It's, too. It is perfect. But so is so is the interview with the vampire. That's true. So I don't, true. But I don't get it. But people don't talk about it or celebrate that much. It's always been said like it's not good movie from whoever actor is currently as a topic of debate. But same is with Ghost Rider. I like to. So Shyana is a female Ghost Rider. Our song. So, but I like I like to celebrate. Come on, man, Ghost Rider. And the <laughs> movie is great. I can have that out to the world. I'm happy. Come on, there's a Peter fucking Fonda like a Captain America in <laughs> yeah. the beginning. Yeah, How cool is that? How do you usually spend Halloween? We don't have Halloween in Finland. Okay. I don't pretend to be American in that sense. We don't really have. Now it's coming a little bit commercially there. Yeah. I'm a little bit like... Um, try to avoid that of course we have a show probably most likely always like the 69 is like it's like a, if you come halloween weekend to helsinki you'll be sure that we're gonna play there we're a halloween rock and roll band yeah but in the other sense i don't pretend we celebrate halloween in that sense we celebrate halloween 24 7 365 have you ever been to the states during halloween yeah yeah and then the funny story first time ever we, we were here on tour and finally i'm here in the states during the halloween and then we uh, played a show somebody can check out if they want but somewhere it was just a letdown nothing i went to gas station and the guy who was working where was dressed up like a marilyn manson so that was probably the <laughs> coolest <laughs> moment of that halloween but basically we just played a show and then it's like what's happening next nothing well thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here anytime west end available everywhere friday september 13th see them on the road they're going to be at a venue near you you can't escape them <laughs> and remember rock and roll is never too loud You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Haunted attractions, conventions, and experiences. Cuts to the front of the line with local haunts. <laughs>
If you're listening to this at time of release, August 3rd and 4th at the Long Beach Convention Center here in Southern California marks the return of what has become the premier and most anticipated Halloween and horror conventions, not only on the West Coast, but in North America. It's called Midsummer Scream. Joining the Boo Crew in the Speakeasy Studio is Executive Director David Markland, editor and creator of LA's beloved Halloween blog site, Creepy LA, who's been curating events and organizing haunt and horror fans in this city since 2006. Also here, Creative Director Rick West, a show writer in the themed entertainment industry, creating concepts for attractions all over the world. Contributes to In Park Magazine and ran the incredible Theme Park Adventure, which he founded in 1994. They are simply the best aggregator for theme park news and videos. These guys are both horror heroes. Here to talk about the fourth year of Midsummer Scream. Welcome, David and Rick, to the show, everybody. Yeah. That was the best introduction I think I've ever had. Wow. Dude, my nipples are still hard. It's amazing. That was like the best thing ever. Well, you guys have brought yeah. the community of horror and theme parks together for so many years. And I don't know if a lot of people even realize that the founders of both those things came together. And I'll totally admit, I didn't know. Well, I think the older kids in the room maybe do. Some yeah. of them do. Millennials will come up to me and say, dude, I grew up on theme park adventure when I was like three and four. We were watch i was like oh, okay we can just stop with the age. Really? Yeah. I, I know it was a long time but i did i did tpa for 24 years that's wild nice. so yeah that actually is what brought me to yeah. originally david sought me out uh and and said look i'm a, a guy that puts on shows and i know how to do production and and i don't i was just a schmuck that just writes things. <laughs> and uh, David said, look, I, I, I don't have the reach into the horror community that, that you do. So, hey, let's make a thing. I mean, effectively that. That's pretty good. Yeah. I did Creepy LA and started that in two, you know it better than I do, 2006. 2006, yeah. And um, I, the only other person, there's maybe a couple other people with you, but, but I knew of Rick because he'd been doing that sort of stuff even longer, covering the theme park world. And then we'd start bumping into each other at uh, press events for like Halloween Horror Nights and Not Scary Farm and um, kind of did on through that. So <sighs> it was a good connection. Okay, I want to go back to the very beginning and I want to ask... <laughs> Yeah. These, these guys are, are engineers. They can add that. Yeah, we yes. can add that in. in post. Definitely <laughs> add it. And I want to know from both of you your first impactful experience with the horror genre. Something that made you love horror. I'm going to go first because I'm sitting closer to her. Okay. okay. <laughs> so David's like, I'm going to pull rank. So no, but um, so I was I was that one kid that was never afraid of anything. At all. So as far as I can remember, I mean, I, I remember watching the original Halloween on HBO with my grandparents when that came on. I was like, this is amazing. You know, <laughs> wow, other kids are like cool grandparents. <laughs> kids are like hiding under the, you know, under the bed. And I'm like, no, this is it. And so I would get my grandfather to take me to every horror movie. I mean, we went and saw we went and saw a double feature. And, and the second film in this double feature happened to be a Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, oh nice. you know, and so I discovered all that with him. And then somewhere along the line, he would take me to like, like, you know, back in the day, it was like March of Dimes had haunted houses and things like that. Right. It, they weren't in abundance. 
abundance like they are now in Southern California. Right. So I grew up in the Inland Empire. So we would go in San Bernardino and, and all that stuff. The very first haunted house that I remember going to, I was a little boy. It was in, it's called the Carousel Mall now. Once upon a time, it was called the Central City Mall in uh, San Bernardino. And it was just this black trailer just plopped in the middle of the atrium of the mall. And I was like, whatever that is, I've got to do it. You know, like other little kids are like, peace. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to go do this right now. And it was just a, a really simple, cool little walkthrough that I really don't remember a lot about, except that they had like the old flicker flame candles, like in some of the windows or whatever. And I wrote about this years and years and years later on TPA, that this was my first haunt experience that I remembered. And out of the blue, some guy named Garner Holt wrote to me and said, dude, that was my haunt when I was a teenager. And Garner Holt is like one of the premier creators of animatronic figures in the world. He does all the Disney attractions. And, oh, wow. and so Garner and you got to got to talk to Garner because he loves yeah. haunts and things like that, too. That's how I ended up connecting with him. Everybody thought it was because of TPA and I'm a fanboy and all that. But no, it was because I wrote about his very first haunt that he did when he was like 15 years old or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it all kind of, you know, one big crazy, you know, circle of strife. Did he attend that haunt as a fan or did he design? He designed it. Oh, as he a designed kid. it. As so a kid. yeah, that, oh, so he's shit. right. He's he's like, dude, that was my first haunt wow. that you're remembering. And I'm like, oh man. So that's how I became friends with Garner. Then yeah. So just all of that, and then and then my first like serious yard display was. Gary Corb's Hallowed Haunting Grounds that was here in Studio City okay. for many, many years. It was like 33 years. He he, he did it. 33, 34 years. And um, he's considered the godfather of home haunts. Wow. And it started in Studio City and it was just... Um, it was unbelievable, man. It, it was just like what every home haunt wants to be when it grows up. He was so ahead of his time and so great. And uh, no, so a couple of years ago, Gary died. Unfortunately, he had a mm -hmm. massive heart attack while oh, he was no. on a cruise. The horror community just lost a huge pillar. And you go to different home haunts around and watch this Halloween when you go. There are tributes like in all these yards that say like Hallowed Haunting Grounds, Rest in Peace, or some tombstones will say Gary Korb. That's what it comes from. So that was my first home haunt, like really that I, that I here in L.A. that I became familiar with. So. Did you ever go to Bob Burns' house? Dude, I never have. Oh, I never man. did. No, I didn't. So I grew up in, or so from San, San Bernardino, I went, I kind of grew up in Orange County. Behind the orange curtain, there were things to do, like not scary farm and all that stuff. And Oh my God, we could talk forever about all of that stuff from childhood, right? right. But so abbreviate, abbreviate. So um, <laughs> fast forward. <laughs> um, I was the kid that always wanted to go to the house that had its lights turned off, the red light turned on, and the scratchy record playing. Yeah. That's, <laughs> to hell with all the other houses. That's the one that I was beelining to on every street, right? And there were some really cool ones in my Rialto neighborhood when I was a little boy. So I was just always turned on to this stuff. Never. Never have been afraid of anything like that. And, and I just and I just love it. And then I, with TPA, it gave me a platform to really delve into it and to cover it. And nobody was covering home months and all that. So I just started covering them just as much as anybody would cover Scary Farm. Right. Or whatever. Right, right. Right. And so that kind of put me in the middle of that community. And the rest is history. And David, how about you? Wow, how do I top that? <laughs> well, first you take a big, deep breath. That was a lot of freaking talking. You could just say you went to Bob Burns' house. Yeah. Yeah. Talk that for sure. I mean, it, I think it all comes together only because I grew up more on the East Coast mm -hmm. and uh, where we had foliage and fall felt like fall. And I was really into, from a young age, ghosts. And I wasn't scared of ghosts, but I was really fascinated with if they were real or not. So I was really into reading every book I could. 
and um, everything, anything I get my hands on trying to find out if they were real or not. And over the years, I kind of stopped believing only because I was so obsessed with finding the science behind them. When I moved to Connecticut, I was probably in third grade, moved from uh, Toledo, Ohio, which is more suburban where, you know, your friends live next door and very, uh, the trick or treating is door to door to door. Right. Like stranger things, basically. It's a little more like stranger <laughs> things. And then we moved to Connecticut, which is rural with the big woods behind us. It was, to me, at first it was boring. And then I read Pet Cemetery. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think I was in third or fourth grade like it's not age appropriate but i read it and right. all of a sudden i loved that we had woods behind us and i'd go yeah. to explore nice. i wanted to find that pet cemetery <laughs> growing up i really wanted to work in movies i moved and finally moved to la when i was 21 never looked back but uh, i love los angeles but it's not doesn't have the foliage and the feel of halloween from when i was growing up or that season so um over the years i started to um seek it out more and uh, started the blog, Creepy Light. That's where Creepy Light came from, was trying to find all the Halloween-type things around L.A. You know, then I discovered things like Not Scary Farm. And even though between Not Scary Farm and all the home haunts I started stumbling across, I realized Southern California may not have the smell of the falling leaves, but it definitely had the spirit of Halloween. Like, people made their own Halloween mm-hmm. here. So that's kind of my background. I'm thinking if the, if, the, if the trees have orange leaves here, it's because they're on fire. That's the only time we have orange leaves on trees. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Southern California. (laughs) Is it true that the very first theme park haunt was Knott's in 73? Is that what I've heard? Yeah, Knott's Scary Farm is the grandfather, and its history dwarfs everyone else's wow yeah and that's they, again, they are the great i am i mean every everything from street monsters began there sliding began there you go to every haunt you go to home haunts you go to you go to haunts in different countries right. now and there are sliders that all originates in buena park they are the great i am of halloween events for theme parks you'd be hard pressed to find a horror fan who isn't a theme park fanatic what do you think yeah. is that common thread that marries the two so well the heightened experience okay right it, it's got to be it's it's the experience junkie right it's it's the person that wants that hyper reality so you're going to find the person that likes horror is usually really into halloween is really into halloween events who then will like sidetrack and also really like usually into like Vegas, right? Everything's over the top. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's the type, it's the type of person that likes everything that's over the top. Yeah. Right. And in your face and bright and brash. And that's usually, I think, what the common thread is. Talk a bit about how you guys kind of came up with this fusion to do this really unique thing of a convention that not only celebrates haunts, also Halloween and horror and become one of the only ones that are doing all that. In 2013. About 2013, um, I, I was working a lot of events. Um, I worked for MTV and doing promotions for all sorts of brands and event marketing. And I was doing Creepy LA as well and uh, decided it was time to have a convention. I wanted to either find or create a convention around Halloween and horror and started an event called Scare LA. 
And uh, when we were finding that, funding that event, that's when I reached out originally to, to Rick with Theme Park Adventure to kind of be our community liaison with, with all these people. Like, I kind of knew some of the people, but I knew that he had a deeper background. And that started that, and we did that for three years. And my business partner at the time and I had a falling out and trying to figure out what to do next. It was, do I just kind of give up and do anything but that, or do we start something new? And and then we decided to forge a, a deeper bond with Rick and brought on a couple other producers and uh, started Midsummer Scream in 2016. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it goes by so fast. It's yeah. a big blender of Halloween. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, but yes, 16. But yeah. uh, that was, it was a fantastic. I mean, like, so this is going to be our seventh year overall doing these events. And we just love it. I mean, just uh, brings together everything we love, plus our own like background and skills. For me, event logistics and uh, marketing, you know, we get to put together our creative chops and of what we love. What do you think makes it so different from all the other conventions that are going on? Because it is very, very different. The Southern California haunt community in itself is unique. There are haunters and, and haunt fans and, and, and Halloween fans all over the world. But there is nothing like the community and the abundance, the overabundance of of Halloween goodness here than there is here in Southern California. I don't know what that is attributed to. Maybe it's just because the populace is so dense here. Maybe it's because this is the birthplace of of American horror here in Hollywood. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. See, all these people that are the creatives that work in the industry, they're suddenly going home and doing these home haunts that are like theme park quality mind blowing right. stuff right so so there there is some reasoning that 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 actually, i mean you go you, the minute you leave southern california that just that disappears i lived in san francisco for 10 years and you'd think that that would be like a, a huge epicenter of of a halloween amazingness right up there there's like nothing huh. going on up there there are a few things that are really well done but it's just not at all like there's nowhere like southern california this was a ripe fishing hole to, to go in for, for this kind of show. Number one, it's the community. It, it's the support community that makes Midsummer as successful as it is. We could plan and plan until we're blue. And if the community didn't show up, there's no show, right? right? I mean, so it, the, it, this is the community show. We always strive to give this community the show that it deserves. That That's very important to us, number one. And we've always created the show that we've, we've said this before, that we want to go to. We never will add a component to Midsummer that's just box checking. We can't stand that kind of thing. I'm like the most politically incorrect person in the world. So me, <laughs> box checking anything? Oh, hell no. So it, it's got to be something that 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 is really like cool to me. Even if it's not necessarily my thing, I can sit back and go, you know what? That will be a draw. That that's totally a draw. That's not my thing, but but people will go to that, and that that's cool. So so as a creative director, that's kind of how I bet that stuff out. And then I think also the Hall of Shadows is what really sets us aside from any other horror Halloween styled convention. It, it's basically one entire hall of the Long Beach Convention Center. It's almost a hundred thousand square feet. We just leave the lights off, and we invite haunters from all over Southern California, whether they're pro or or home haunters or whatever. They come and they just set some uh, either a walkthrough up or a yard display or, or whatever and we have almost 20 attractions this year in the hall of shadows wow. for people to come oh. experience so we basically create a, an indoor theme park for a weekend in the hall of shadows 
And so it's kind of like going to a not scary farm or, or whatever, where you have different haunts. You've got displays. You've got live entertainment. We've got the Decade Brigade, the sliders that are some, they're the best sliders in the world. They come and they perform three times a day. They, I get sore just watching them yeah. perform. So these guys, I, I have no idea how they just do this. And then they get up the next morning and go to, go to work, you know, type of thing. Right. I'd be broken. I'd be in traction for three weeks, right? Yeah. So we have a lot going on in there. And that is absolutely unique to Midsummer. And so I think that that's also something that, that we have going for us. I love that part of Midsummer. It's like probably my favorite thing is going through the Hall of Shadows and doing all the haunts. How long does it take these people to build these mazes quickly? Yeah, in the the Hall of Shadows. Two days. Oh my gosh. But not not 24 hour period days. They've got like maybe 12 hours each day. So what they're doing right now is we're recording this. They are are feverishly putting all this stuff together at home or off site, and they're going to assemble it like Legos once they get to gotcha. the hall. We roll them in starting at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning, and they start assembling everything, and they just go, 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 go. Three o'clock on Friday, lights are out in the Hall of Shadows, so then everybody starts doing their show lighting and, and testing and adjusting all that. Come nine o'clock Saturday morning, they are to be show ready and they just go, go, go. And then Sunday at 6 p.m. when we close everything, they immediately start tearing down and the Hall of Shadows is completely back to normal, usually by 11 p.m. Oh, wow. It's it's ridiculous. The transformation is mind blowing. It's crazy. I I mean, I will say, I mean, they're spending months working on these things. Yeah, sure. The, The one thing I don't think the general public realizes when they look at Halloween is these haunters and home hunters are artists. There's no other word for it. They are pure artists. They're crazy artists because they pull together. They pull together so many skills, everything from engineering and building to uh, you know painting design to to acting. It's everything. It's theater plus, and they're spending you know months and months putting that together just for two days because they love the they love to do this for the thousands of fans that come through. And once you're inside, there's people aren't paying to go through these haunts besides the the overhead fee for you know midsummer ticket but right. other than that these people are there just because they love to see people's faces and to scare them it's, it's amazing what i want to throw in also is we have an amazing array of different type of haunters that, that that do midsummer scream but the thing that really is exciting is we've got a lot of really young haunters that come and do this stuff oh, in the hall yeah i remember the kid last year did dude, the donnie darko dude, yeah, like 16 yeah like 15 16 yeah, yeah right well so sam's back he's doing this, this he's doing this crazy hunt thing now where you you this year you will check in in hall of shadows you're going to get like a skeleton key and you're going to go around to different areas on the show floor and in hall of shadows looking for where to put this key and <laughs> it'll set off it'll tell you where to go to the next thing it sets off this animation thing and yeah of course why wouldn't you if you're 16 unreal do that, right? unreal and then we have an entire group called uh, Twisted Mind Productions led by Zion Fenwick they're the same age too and they're doing a full blown haunt this year called Salem that is in the hall so we are really excited to have the young haunters and you know like when I was a kid I would make haunts with like pillows and shit pillows and like blankets and like force my grandpa to you know crawl through with a flashlight or whatever these guys are making haunts that in, in some rights are much better than than some of the adult haunts that we see put right. together. I, I feel a very deep satisfaction that we are able to give them this this pulpit really to to preach and show show the world what, what they can do. And we're fostering the next generations of John Murdy's and John Cook's and all the different designers of these big major attractions. Of course, it's going to be these these next generations of kids that we're really giving giving a shot at Midsummer that they would never have a shot like that to show off for that 
many people anywhere. So that's something that's very, very important and very exciting to us. That's awesome. And then, yeah, guys like John Murdy and John Cook, those kind of people are around at the convention doing the panels and things as well. So it does expose yeah. them directly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. To and these they love people. it. And they yeah. love going through these mazes and seeing what these young people are doing. And there's no haunt envy there because they've already got established careers. So they're going through going, this is just freaking mind blowing. This is ridiculous. I was just going to say, is there some sort of a mission statement or goal for this year in particular? Not particularly for this year, but in general. I mean, I think we are, our goal always is to create an event to bring together this amazing community. And the definition of community is really broad. I mean, it's it's the haunters. It's the people who love horror films. It's the people who love Halloween as a lifestyle and dressing up and, and the spooky side and uh, makeup, you know, designers and prop makers and people who, uh, just are into building or um, designing products. Each of those in and to themselves are their own community and then bringing them together. And some of them don't always overlap. I mean, horror and Halloween are not necessarily always the same thing, but at Midsummer Scream, they get to intermingle and it's great to see the magic that happens, you know, with Fangoria is there, Shock Till You Drop is there, uh, Bloody Disgusting, you know, is around along with people who just love carving pumpkins you know yeah you know? Right, so right. it's uh, so that to us you know when we do hear about people partnering or being exposed to new things and becoming fans it's amazing i mean we have a whole kids area that's lo- also super unique and i love the, some for the kids yeah which we never really intended you know it's not what our goal was to make this into a kid-friendly event but so we'd see so many children come in who love to see makeup being made you know they would just get a thrill out of the craft of it and they wouldn't be scared of it whether it's them becoming haunters or going on and like it's a new skill for them in life it's fantastic kim brown is actually reading kids stories there when yeah. she's there as part of what she's yeah. doing yeah. <laughs> so kim, great we have kimberly j brown like halloween town yeah. disney star and then we have cassandra peterson who's all yes. who's, you <laughs> yeah, know that, that's what the, I love the most adult of the halloween <laughs> right. people right. and uh you know they're a couple hundred yards away from each other and people come to see both that's what i love about midsummer scream is you guys get to draw all the a-listers this year you got cassandra peterson got bill mosley you have eileen dites you know felissa rose it's like where else are you gonna go to meet all these celebrities from, from these your favorite horror movies not only that but you guys also do this thing which almost resembles like a hall h marvel announcement where you get universal you get not scary farm now you get warner brothers and they each show up at their panel and in a live audience and they introduce what they're doing for their hot season years ago when we started scare LA, that was one of the concepts was to do an upfronts like a television upfronts but for the haunts and bring them all together so they could, they could announce what's happening. Because usually it's around, you know, late July, early August. Right. Yeah. Right? They're starting to... Re- it used to be that's when they started to reveal stuff. Now, Universal's announcing things as early as, you know, May. Right. What they're doing. So Christmas. I mean, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Our maze next year is going to be... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, exactly. And I mean, it is amazing over the last seven to ten years how much Halloween has grown and evolved. Yep. And become more of a, uh, like I said, a lifestyle for people, but just general people. Like they really get into it a lot sooner. It's not just something they set up for for the weekend. I mean, they're starting to decorate as early as September 1. If we're always some of us don't take it down. Yeah, exactly. You guys, some people don't take it down. There's amazing panels this year that we are so stoked for. One yes. of them in particular has got to be on Saturday, the 50 years of Disneyland's yes. iconic Haunted Mansion. 
who exactly is coming in from that because it is an incredible lineup. Yeah, that's that's I think going to be one of our big cornerstone panels this year, sure. Because um, who doesn't? First of all, love the haunted mansion, right? So that was the panel that I put together, and so we have Doug Barnes, who's the host of the Season Pass podcast. He's going to be hosting the panel, and I hate you, Doug. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole story. I normally I normally take the big right, panels, sure. right? And and we were working on something that didn't come to fruition, so that was going to be like my big thing this year and then it fell apart i'm like well god damn it doug's got the big one now so so, i hate you doug anyway we have tony baxter who is disney legend imagineering legend is going to be on that bob gurr who came up with the omni mover system not for the haunted mansion but for adventure through inner space which preceded the mansion it was tweaked and the cars were painted the doom buggies were then painted black for the mansion. Were those the people movers? The, there was no, they were the automobiles oh, that yes, you sat right. in, that's right? right. Yeah, yeah. And they were the same it's the same thing, except they were blue right. and for mansion they painted them black and uh so that became the doom buggies so Gurr is going to be there because who doesn't love bob Gurr? and then we have don han who is the producer of the haunted mansion movie it was really interesting i was over at don han's place and we were talking about so the challenge is with an attraction that's 50 years old is that most of the people that worked on the attraction aren't with us anymore and that's just time Right. And so uh, we were just talking about how, well, I wanted Tony because Tony's a second gen Imagineer who was also in charge of Disneyland Paris, which, of course, has Phantom Manor. Mm -hmm. And Tony grew up being a fan of Disneyland and the Haunted Mansion. And then he started working there when he was you know, a teenager. So my idea with Tony was, well, you can speak to it as this legendary Imagineer, what it meant to you as a kid to see this thing. And then what it meant when it set that watermark, what it meant to you as as a corporate Imagineer and an executive at Imagineering. All these decades later, what it means when you build these attractions, how you kind of would measure that up against these these older classic yeah, these attractions. Iconic rides. Right? Yeah. And right. so with Bob Gurr, mm. again, he created what became the Doom Buggies. So right. Bob can speak to that. And Bob was, of course, around. He didn't really work on the mansion project at all. In fact, just last week, he sent me an email. He goes, you know, just so you're clear, I didn't work on the Haunted Mansion. I was like, no, but we love you, Bob. And you're going to be there. And everybody just wants to hear you talk about the Omnimover system and that type of thing. He's yeah. like, okay, okay, I'm clear now. And then Don Hahn, of course, was grew up a fan of that and then went on to produce the Haunted Mansion film. The idea of the panel was that people that grew up with this attraction could speak to how it impressed on them things that would carry on then into their own careers. And what it meant to them. And then, so I'm talking to Don about this and saying, ah, it's just kind of a drag. Don said, well, I met this woman named Tanya Norris. Have you ever heard of her? I was like, no. And he's like, you didn't really need to talk to her. She was the interior designer of the attraction. And I just met her a few weeks ago at a Ryman event or, you know, whatever, whatever Don was at. I was like, my head was like buzzing. And then he said the magic words. He goes, and she created the wallpaper that everybody loves. And that's, of you know, she was the interior designer of New Orleans Square. I mean, she was brought on to interior decorate and design oh everything in New Orleans Square. Oh. She was hired when there were 29 employees at WED. <laughs> and so she came in and she got very close to Walt and to Roy and their families. And not only did she do New Orleans and she started doing things for their homes and that type of thing and traveled around on Walt's plane with him all over the U.S. buying things and looking at things. And um, she had no idea all these decades later that that wallpaper was like a thing. 
and because she's not plugged into like she does internet she does she she does email but she's not plugged into social media and all that like bob is she hasn't been to the haunted mansion since she left the project 50 years ago no way how does that even happen wow so check this out tomorrow at 9 30 we're meeting at disneyland and i get to be with her to reunite her with the haunted mansion oh my god that's gonna be amazing i'm like freaking out i am like this is like christmas eve for me i am so excited to take tanya and me you know walk her up to the haunted mansion i'm gonna take a zillion pictures and it's gonna be emotional and it's gonna be great so and that was don han and i we were like we were talking to him we gotta get tanya to disneyland before midsummer and then I went and was talking to Tanya and she goes, I really should go on the ride before I talk about it because I don't remember much of it, you know, type of thing. It's been 50 years, you know, so. That is so yeah, cool. So she's going to be there. And I think she's the gem. I mean, yeah, we do Midsummer. Midsummer is like an 18 month process that we do. And everybody always says, well, what's your favorite part of this year? You know, for me, hands down, it was really done finding Tanya and introducing the two of us and me getting to know Tanya. And that has been just like the gem. This is, that has been just so important and so exciting to me. And just to, I can't wait to hear everybody scream and cheer for her when she comes out on stage. Yeah. She has no idea what's coming. No, seriously, she is really excited to see midsummer. So it's going to be, it's going to be so much fun. You guys, you're going to be there for a special moment when she walks out and oh my God, she's just great. Be part of that standing ovation. The stories that she tells are just mind melting. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. On Sunday, another great panel. You're going to be doing 30 years of tales from the crypt, that incredible TV show that brought stories to life in the spirit of the amazing EC horror comics that everybody loves and featuring a who's who of storytellers and actors and directors who worked on that show. Who's going to be at that particular panel? John Kassir, the Crypt Keeper. Yes. Yeah. Um, John, uh, I reached out to him like pretty much when I had the idea to do it and I never met him before and he was just totally in for it. That guy is, uh, have you interviewed him on here yet? Not yet. No. Nope. Oh my God. Always He's... wanted to. We got a Tales from the Crypt pinball machine upstairs. <laughs> oh, I'd love man. to have a picture of him by that thing. No, I mean, it's, it's been uh, fun. It's just always fun when you get to meet people who um, you, you've heard of and uh, they're just awesome. So yeah. he, he's been great. And then Richard Edlund, Oscar winning effects guy who did the opening sequence from Tales from the Crypt, but he also did the effects for Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ghostbusters, Fright Night. So like all of your favorite, you know, horror films, uh, especially from the 80s, like he did everything. So he's going to be on that production designer, a couple of the directors from it, Ernest Dickerson, who did Demon Knight, the feature film. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool lineup. And then, uh, I mean, the guy I reached out to to moderate it, Robert Parigi, he worked on it for a few years. I worked on it for like... Uh, I think a year. I think I was fired as an office PA on that. I'm a, I was a horrible PA. But, but I got to work on Tales in the Crypt. Yeah, and, right? And I remembered him from working on that just really loosely, but he's really been into horror and the horror scene since then. So I said, would you be able to pull this together? And he jumped for it right away. So it'll be a fun, fun panel. Very cool. Nice. And the Winchester Mystery House has some announcements to make too. They're going to be doing, I think it looks like an immersive theater experience or something that they're going to be announcing. Yeah, they've been with us since the beginning as well and that's always been really cool and they they come in and they they, they do exactly what we want they do sort of an upfront of what they have planned for the year the last couple of years it's been like these candlelight tours and this year they're going to try to do an immersive experience for guests also this year they're doing a they hired uh christine mcconnell she makes the cakes that look like they're monsters and that's awesome and uh so she is making a uh gingerbread house based on the winchester oh cool so we're doing a panel with her that same day as well but uh they'll probably they're gonna be hosting a uh a meet and greet with her 
kind of to help commemorate that as well. There's also going to be a really cool, as collectors, I'm looking forward to the Collection Complete panel that goes down on Saturday, which is a great show created by Carly Baker and Sean Decker. You can check it out on YouTube. It gives you a glimpse at these incredible collections of creators and, and fans like the Mike Mendez. His stuff has been on there before. And uh, I think Sean Clark is going to be on that panel. Is that correct? Sean's going to be out of town. Oh, oh wow. Okay. We could chop that part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, shame Sean Clark. We want him to come. So. <laughs> Sean, get your butt in there. Probably the busiest guy in the horror convention world. So. Yeah. Oh, I bet. He also put together that um, that horror's hallowed ground yeah. show that's really great. But yeah, Sean, come on. Bring your chainsaw. Go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is Darren Lynn Bowsman going to be able to? I don't think he is. Shame Stop. him too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Darren Bowsman was supposed to be at that immersive theater thing. He's going to be filming Saw with Chris Rock right now up in Canada. Sam Jackson. Yeah. Are you yeah. still doing an immersive theater panel? You're still doing that panel though? Oh yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. And who's going to be on that We're going to use his cat. <laughs> you know, Perfect. Perfect. You know. Talk a little bit about immersive theater and that impact on the haunt community because that's kind of a, a recent there, yeah, that, that is kind of a thing. It's kind of, um, oh man, so this could be an entire podcast on itself. So, so, so the word... The word immersive for me as a designer drives me batshit because it's like bacon. It's not new. It's been around forever. Right. And suddenly everybody loves it and everything. <laughs> it's like, no, trust me. Walt Disney did immersive before Walt Disney. The people that created the shows at Coney Island that had 300 performers when you land on the moon. Now, that was immersive. <laughs> so if you're doing it right as a designer, you're immersive. But the immersive theatrical aspect of, of these things, these productions like The Willows, right. right? Justin Fix does a great job at these things. Those are relatively new. Just the intensity level of them, the scope and scale of them, sure, that differentiates them, right? And so immersive theater has moved over. It's crossed over into kind of the horror genre because it's kind of creepy being in a room trapped with somebody on its own right, right? Mm -hmm. So why not make it scary? You know, that has become a thing. And and you see it kind of the spooky element started with really like Sleep No More, right, in, in New York. And so that kind of um, thing with like Delusion. Yes. John Braver is going to yeah, be on that, that so panel. Cool. Talk that's about a delusion. huge Delusion. Yeah. So Delusion, I think kind of for the horror community, definitely here in Southern California, really kind of catapulted that into the spotlight, right? right? Because people over here, there are people that go to this stuff all the time that you say something like Sleep No More and they it's like deer in the headlights. They don't know what that is. Yeah. Even though that is considered to be like the, the grandfather of that kind of thing. Right. That's on the East Coast. So it's it's off the radar here. But you say delusion and everybody in the room lights up because right. everybody's done. Delu if you can get a ticket. Yeah, you, yeah. You, exactly. You've done, you've done delusion. Right. <laughs> Noah Nelson from No Proscenium is going to, to host that. We're going to have people on that like Bonnie Hallman, who is from uh, Myco 2. She works on like every freaking event. Every time you pull up like an event on online, whether it's a, an attraction opening ceremony or a, a, a haunt like like Dark Harbor or whatever, like Bonnie's always involved with this stuff. So it's great to have girl power. Girl power is really important in this industry, which is predominantly male these days. You know, I guess right. it always has been, right? Um, which is another great reason that we have Tanya Norris on the Haunted Man. I mean, because mm -hmm. who would have thought back then in the 60s that this woman, not from the United States, she was from the UK, suddenly is like the interior designer for you know, the good old boys of wed, you know, doing New Orleans Square and yeah, pirates right. and mansion and, you know, all this stuff. Right. So girl power all the way for that. Darren is I don't think he's going to be on that. Did we mention that already? <laughs> um, if you could curate one Halloween night of action 
for someone in Southern California, what would it entail? Oh my God. I would just take them to Burbank and show them all the home haunts. Yeah. There's just so much. There's no reason to almost go anywhere else. Just keep driving around. Rotten apple, backwoods. I know. It's it's really- so hard, man. That's like the hardest- question that's and people ask me every year they say i promise i won't circumvent this but 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 people ask me every time like what's your favorite haunt it always sounds like a lame duck answer i don't i don't have one and so i never answer that because every every haunt it's all apples and oranges right everything is every little sperm is sacred you know but you know (laughs) but every haunt is different in its own right every haunt has its strengths its weaknesses and everything brings its own thing to the table right like you can't come I hate people. I hate, hate, hate the the, the ideology that you, you're either a Horror Nights fan or a Scary Farm fan. And the other one sucks. No, that's not mm. that's not what it's about. It's about going and understanding the history at Knott's and seeing what they do from scratch with non-IP type things. Right. And then it's about going to Universal Studios and seeing how this movie studio by day becomes this horror park by night and does really beautiful work with these IP-based attractions. So... The whole thing of, well, no, and then people say, I don't go to home haunts. Why would I do that when I can go to Knott's? No, because the home haunts, that's what Halloween is. That's the genesis of all this stuff. Another one of the great things about what you guys do is there's also events that happen after hours. And this year, you've got the Grim Grinning Gala. Every year, we try to do a party. It seems like you have a convention, a horror convention. You have to have a party for everyone. So uh, the last couple of years, we've held it in-house. And the Grim Grinning Gala is the theme this year, all around Haunted Mansion 50th again. And we have three different components, which is sort of the concept to me is like, I know for myself, I need some variety at a party. I don't want to just be dancing. So we have uh, in the Grand Ballroom, we're going to be having a $500 costume contest, a DJ, your standard party, but a spooky Halloween party. And the second component is a room called Leota's Lounge. We're going to have a variety of fortune tellers, some people reading runes, some people doing palm readings, tarot readings, just a whole variety. And if you go to that, they, they're going to be expecting you. <laughs> they know you're otherwise they're fake. <laughs> and then the third element is uh, from 8 to 10, we're going to have a screening of the Haunted Mansion movie itself with Don Hahn and the director. Rob Minkoff. Rob Minkoff yeah. uh, there, who directed the original Lion King, doing live commentary for the audience. That's so oh, awesome. Wow. So cool. if, you, if you're like, you're totally antisocial or you just like to want to chill out and not think and sit... Uh, you can watch the movie if you want a little bit of, you know, something, a little interactivity or, you know, you know what's going on. There's the fortune telling. And then if you just want to like dance and, you know, drink all night, uh, there's the party. Who came up with the name Midsummer Scream? I just wanted to. Uh, well, when we started Midsummer Scream, we it was at that point where the previous event had sort of been, you know, in turmoil and we weren't sure what we we're going to do. When we decided we we're going to do Midsummer Scream, we knew we had three months to pull it together. We're in sprint mode. We had no ideas. And then Rick just kind of almost pulled it out of his butt. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it was overnight. He's like, I have it. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, well, what do we call this thing? Shakespearean. Yeah. So I, I was just thinking to myself, I thought, um, well, you know, Midsummer's Night Dream, you, you know, everybody's yeah. familiar with that. And Midsummer Night's Scream. And then it's like, no, that's a marble mouth. That's a mouthful of stuff to say. Then what if you just shorten it to Midsummer Scream? And, and I thought, you know, it really kind of distills down to that, because if you just if you don't know what it is at all, but you say I'm going to Midsummer Scream. Well, you know when it is, you know that it's something scary. 
So that kind of became like, well, that in my mind, it was like, that's what it's got to be called. Midsummer (laughs) Scream. You know, when we did Scare L.A., I was never a huge fan of that because it locked us into L.A., period. It was like L.A., that's it. Our sandbox. Go home if you're not from here, you know, type of thing. To me, it was not terribly inclusive beyond L.A. So to get a chance to really just say something that's open to everybody, the entire community worldwide, if you want to come, come play, come to Midsummer Scream. And it was very, I mean, very calculated. We knew when we were creating these conventions that it had to be at this time of the year because any earlier and nobody's going to announce anything and too much later and everybody's already eyeballs deep in build. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to come. So this was very, very uh, orchestrated the way that we decided when we were going to do this. So just, um, yeah. So Midsummer Scream is what I threw down on the table and everybody's like, but it was funny though, because everybody was kind of like, hmm, you know, like kind of they had to like do the wine tasting thing, you know, (laughs) and I'm like. What do you mean? There's a plot. <laughs> like the greatest goddamn name in the world. You know? and, and they're like, hmm. Okay. Well, what else do we have? And I'm like, there is no other thing. And and by the end, I mean by the end of the meeting, everybody's like, you know what? I yeah, let's go with that. I really. Yeah. But it was really that fast. It was like in the matter of like an hour because, like David said, when we decide from from okay, let's give this another shot with the convention to opening our doors. We had like like four months. It was a ridiculous window of time that if we had not successfully done the first three years of Scarlet, there's it would have been a crash and burn. It would have been like alive, you know, right into the mountain, yeah, you know, yeah. the airplane. So there's just no way that, that it would have come together. But because of our, our experience before that, we just like kind of hit the ground running and just did it. And people showed up and it was 8,000 came the first year and we're expecting over 30,000 this year, four years later. Wow. So that's that's rocket, rocket growth, right? For us. So yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. There's a tier of admission that is available as well. The gold bat pass. Can you talk a little bit about what that gives the experience? Most people are going to get the general admission pass, which gets you entry to all the haunts and all the panels and presentations. You know, it's all included in the price of admission. We really don't want to have an upcharge in anything, but the gold bat pass is uh, obviously more expensive, but we think well worth it because it gets you front of line access, like at a theme park, and priority access to all the panels and presentations. A lot of those will pack up, so it's kind of essential you get to go in front of the line for those. And um, it gets you free access to the party. You get an hour of exclusive access to the show floor both days in the mornings, uh, Saturday and Sunday. It opens at 10 versus 11 a.m. for the general public. Also, we have a really cool credential you get to wear with the it's gleaming gold and uh, exclusive pin. It's great because, you know, nobody likes lines. So that kind of mm-hmm. really circumce- circumvents you having to do all the lines. And there's so much to do at Midsummer Scream, even for the gold badge. They're not going to be able to do everything because we have five stages of uh, panels and presentations going on throughout each day. And it's deliberately so that way people leave. And uh, our favorite complaint is that we couldn't do everything. You needed to add another day. And, um, which is like a dare to us. It's like, we will add another day maybe, but we're going to pack it as full of challenges. Yeah, that's, that, that's the instant non-starter because it's like, well, dude, you're not going to get a bonus day to do everything. We're going to pack that. So you're going to go away after three days, even more exhausted going, God damn them. I couldn't do everything I wanted. Well, what, what, of course, what do you think we're going to do? We're not going to give you a freebie. So no, yeah. So, but yeah. I, I compared to other conventions out there, I, I would say that Midsummer Scream for everything that we offer and our price point on our ticketing, dude, our, it is so 
so sensible for, for families, for everybody to go and, and enjoy a weekend with us. Even the, the gold bat, which is the VIP pass, is so cheap compared to other conventions out there for things. And it's just it's a no brainer. If you're a big fan, people say, well, should I go Saturday or Sunday? And I'm like, dude, you're going to go both days because then you're going to be kicking yourself for the next year because you only chose one day. So just go both days, you know, type of thing. And it's totally affordable. I mean, yeah. you know, people say, well, you know, it's a, no, it, it's it's not that expensive compared to other conventions and for the the, the fun that, that you get and especially if you're a Halloween fan there's not it's not like you're holding out waiting for the next thing to come around because <laughs> this is it man once a year this is it and so uh, get your damn tickets and get out here but, <laughs> yes. is there anything new on the scene on the scare scene on the haunt scene that's being introduced this year that you know about that you'd like to tell everybody about that you're excited about. Yeah. So we have the 13th floor entertainment group. They are this conglomerate that they're buying up major haunts across the United States. And they have recently purchased the LA haunted hayride and, and all of its assets. And so they're going to be there with a panel presentation and a huge presence on the show floor from this year's LA Haunted Hayride. And John Cook, who does a million things in the haunt industry, he's actually taken over as creative director of the LA Haunted Hayride. Whoa. This year. Nice. So it's really going to be the total introduction to at least people on this coast to 13th floor, what they're doing and what we're going to get the exclusive first peeks at what they're doing for the LA Haunted Hayride. They've like scorched earth and it's all like from scratch from ground up again this year. So that's the new shiny toy, you know, that we're dangling this year is come see what 13th uh, floor is all about. That is nice. so cool. And then John Cook, I mean, one of the star maze designers at Knott's for years. And yes, yeah. did that Murder Co. Murder Co. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that new yeah. immersive experience people are just loving. It's kind of like heightened escape room, horror escape yeah. room, I guess. So he, yeah. did, he did a maze at Nas this year. He, he at, at Nas. He did a maze at Nas. No, he did a maze at Knott's this year. And uh, he did a maze. He did Dark Harbor stuff. And now he's doing the LA Haunted Hayride. Nice. Oh, that is so cool. so cool. I'm excited. I'm excited. He must have a big ass plate because it never seems to be <laughs> yeah, full. right? You know, so and he's got a band, right? He sings in a band. Yeah, yeah, wins a play. Yeah, Yeah. they're terrific. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the I I would say that's the new that's the new hotness. Yeah, sure for that. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Over the last you know years, since you guys have been doing this, what has been your favorite moment? Is it somebody you met or some incident or? Wow. Oh man. I know yeah, it, that's a tough one. I, I'm sure there's many every year. There's something. And uh, I mean, we're just incredibly proud of the whole thing. It's, it's not the most fun answer in the world, but I mean, last year I realized we had um, Cassandra Peterson, Thora Birch from Hocus Pocus, Kimberly J Brown from Halloween town, all in the house at the same time. Yeah. And I was able to like arrange for them to get a photo together. I mean, like somebody just loves Halloween as a theme, like Halloween, it's, it's all about Halloween, you know, right. not even horror, but Halloween and we got these three, like the three top bases of Halloween entertainment together in one room was really pretty cool. That is really cool. Yes. I think uh, the first for me would be just, just the fact that over the years we've been able to give people like we've done when we did scare LA, we did, we did a couple haunted mansion panels. And on one of them, I had Alice Davis who I've known for years come and speak on behalf of her late husband, Mark Davis about his involvement at Disney and in the Haunted Mansion design. And so it was great to have Alice there and bring her into the convention world. And people went nuts for her when she came up on stage. And so to have Alice there was great. Again, having Tanya there this year, I can tell you, was going to be a huge highlight for me 
my favorite panel I think that we've ever done was was last year we did we, it was last year, it was last year we did the 45 years of not scary farm it was, it was two, last year it was two years, two years ago. ago oh my god okay two years ago oh my god so we put together the, our first 90 minute presentation and so I worked with Ted Doherty we, he assembled groups of people from all the different decades of not scary farm came on stage and we had this rotating panel that just kind of like grew and grew and grew on stage covering the entire breadth of not scary farms history. That was like mind blowing to me as a scary farm fan. That was probably my favorite panel that we've ever done. And then on a personal note this year, my, my daughter, Emily is going to see midsummer for the very first time. She's coming down from San Francisco and she's never seen what her old man's done. So, so that's going to be, I'm sure super emotional for for dad up there to be on stage look down and see her there that is so cool so that'll be a favorite august 3rd and 4th midsummerscream.org for tickets get them now it's coming up this weekend we'll be there too guys thank you so much thank you you. really appreciate it that was the boo crew podcast episode 58 special thanks to our guest yerky 69 from the 69 eyes follow them at the 69 eyes official on instagram and at 69 eyes official on twitter if you're listening to this at the time of release their new album West End is out Friday September 13th pre-order it right now also a warm thank you to Rick West and David Marklin they are incredible make sure to check out Midsummer Scream Festival coming up this Saturday and Sunday for listening at time of release at Long Beach Convention Center MidsummerScream.org Boo Crew is the code word that gets you 20% off those tickets it would mean the world to us if you hit up that Apple Podcasts app rate and write the show a quick review if you like what you hear it keeps us doing what we do and to bring you this horror magic we strive for every week. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Tim Timebomb, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tahada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Chen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Chen. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Bye.